0: So last week we started a series on getting past your past and looking at the black hole of regret versus repentance and hope. And if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and uh, take a re-listen. Over the next couple of weeks, though, we're going to be looking over our past in terms of three categories. There's the, the my bad, the uh, your bad, and it's bad. And typically when we're looking back over our past, it's There's things that that come back that we struggle with that fall in one of those three categories, and how we deal with each of those differs based on whether it's something that I've done, something that's been done to me, or just something that just kind of happened. And so we're going to be looking over those three things and those three categories in the next couple weeks. Uh, Today, though, we're going to be looking at the first one, of which is my bad. Everybody goes through times, seasons of their life where they experience depression. Uh, now, some people struggle with depression all the time, but everybody will go through a season of their life where they struggle with depression. Uh, people will go through uh, times where you have anxiety. And what's odd about when you go through those seasons is you don't really know why. Sometimes you do. I mean, let's face it. If you've gone through death or a major separation uh, of something that's happened, it's easy to pinpoint. Okay, this is why I'm feeling down. But a lot of times, maybe you've been there. You just kind of somebody say, "What's wrong?" You're like, I don't know. I'm just kind of in a in a funk lately. Well, why? I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know why. Uh, at the same time, uh, many of us will also. Uh, either chronically struggle with or go in and out of feelings of things like inadequacy, insignificance, uh, shame, low self-esteem, uh, feeling unworthy of someone's love, unworthy of respect. And when asked about that, you know, sometimes you, maybe, maybe you have somebody close in your life who will ask you some question like, why do you feel that way? Really? You, you struggle with low self Why? And, and sometimes you'll just be like, well, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, don't really know. And because we don't really know, what ends up happening, and this is sort of the, the functional reality of life, is we tend to, what, what, what doctors would call, treat the symptoms and not the cause. That's where, like, I don't, like, like when you're feeling down, what do your friends want to do? They want to cheer you up. Same thing I want to do when I'm feeling down. I I want to cheer myself up. And so we'll look to things to cheer ourselves up. We'll look to things to sort of medicate the feeling in a way. And either we turn to a relationship to do that, or we turn to a substance to do that, or a new purchase to do that. I mean, everybody likes a little retail therapy sometimes. That can make you feel good, feel better about yourself. You don't like the way you look. Just go buy something. Maybe you'll feel like, you know, you look better in that for a season. I don't know. Um... Other times, what we do is, you know, maybe if you're, you're dealing when struggling with self-worth or inadequacy, sometimes people turn to it. And see, here's the thing. Some of these things can look really good. Not everything looks like a hurt habit or a hang-up that is a hurt habit or a hang-up. For sometimes, it's somebody who's chronically always trying to help other people. They can never say no. This is, remember I mentioned that codependency issue? Um, it's, it's in that category sometimes. Because in doing that, you're doing it all so that somebody will tell you what a good person you are and constantly feed into you because you have these issues of low self-worth or inadequacy. Or other times, uh, people will dress for attention or do something for attention. Uh, Sometimes you've seen a woman who wants the attention of every man and they are never satisfied with the attention of one man. Nope. Every guy's got to look at them everywhere they go uh, by what they do. For some people, it's they got to be the life of the party. They've always got to be the center of attention. And they're, they're not satisfied with a small group of friends. They've got to have everybody always looking at them. Uh, and, and the reason why a lot of times these things happen is because we're treating these feelings of you know, either short-term or long-term issues of self-worth or depression or some other issue that's come in there. And all along, the, the hard question you know, we saw from that opening video is, how did I get here? you ever asked that question? Wake up one morning and go, how did I get here? Like, like you you think back. Thirty years ago, this was not where I thought I would be right now. Anybody got that T-shirt? Maybe that'll be our next CR shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how good of a shirt that would be, but I've done some crafting on that one. Um, but at Celebrate Recovery. Step four of Celebrate Recovery, where you do a searching and fearless moral inventory, what you're doing is you're trying to answer the question of, how did I get here? How did I get here? Uh, and you're not going to know unless you really go looking for those answers. You go sort of and do it. That's why our, um, that passage out of Lamentations 340 says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. The context for that, by the way, is uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed. The people are being carried off into captivity. There's been hundreds of years of sin and other kinds of dysfunction going on in the community. And God keeps on saying, "One more time, I'm warning you. One more time, I'm warning you. One more time, I'm warning you." He's been doing that for hundreds of years, and finally, he's like, "That's it, I'm done." And so then everybody has these self-reflecting questions, you know, asking, "How did this happen?" What do you mean, how did this happen? You, you should know how this happened. But then individually, Jeremiah turns to the people and he's like, okay, we understand why collectively as a community, this has happened to us. But each of us have to, what part of I contributed to what has happened here? That's why he says, let us each examine our ways and test them. And by the way, this idea of examining our ways and test them is found throughout the whole Bible. Uh, this isn't just something that was done right there during the time of Lamentations. David talks about this over in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Let me know if there's, what are my anxious thoughts. Uh, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Uh, if you go over to the New Testament, every time we take communion, we're supposed to examine ourselves and think through our life and really ask ourselves a question of, what is it that I'm coming up here asking for forgiveness for? God doesn't want you to just go through the motions in your Christian walk. He doesn't want you to just come into church, punch off the ticket, and go home. He doesn't want you just to come up here, pick up a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, eat it, and walk out. That's, that's, he says, examine yourselves so that you know what it is you're really asking God for forgiveness for. Now, the honest truth is, a lot of times, we don't know. We just kind of generally go, well, certainly, I'm not perfect, so God, just forgive me in general, <laughs> And let's get on with the day. Well, at some point, you begin to ask the question, how did I get here? And part of that answer is also you're going to find some of the things that maybe are wrapped up in the examination of what it is you're coming forward for communion. Now, when you go through and do this kind of examination, uh, there's three general categories you're going to find that comes up in your past. Um, There's the stuff that would be in the category of my bad, the stuff that would be in the category of your bad... And then stuff that's in the category of it's bad. Pretty self-explanatory almost what each one of those are. There are things you go back over your life and you go, yep, that was all me. I did that. For some of you, you will pendulum swing so far over to this. You've, hit, you've had so many issues of lack of self esteem, self worth, self deprecating. You're going to look at everything in your life and it's all been your fault. Some of you codependents are out there in this same boat. Uh, some of you just, you're, you're just always down yourself, always depressed. Everything's always your fault. Some of you are going to have a tendency to put everything in the category of it's all me, regardless of what it was. Other people, though, this is like the majority. Um, We'll go into the, everything's going to go in the category of somebody else's fault, your fault. Uh, we, can, we can, we'll list out who the yous are as you're going through all of those things. But there's, it's, it's easy to sort of go over to this place and always put the blame on somebody else. Now, when you, when you look through that, one is self-toxic and the other is self-intoxicated. The other one is toxic to yourself, where you're always putting yourself down. The other one just shows that you are sort of intoxicated in how you're seeing life. That's why so many times the Bible will say, sober up in your judgments, because it's so easy, it's so natural to us to justify and minimize and excuse our actions by blaming on somebody else. Now, as you go through and you look through stuff, even the stuff, by the way, that's in the your bad category, just because something's in a your bad category doesn't mean there's not any my bad in that. You with me on this? Just because it falls in a your bad category. In other words, the reason why this happened overall was because of something that somebody else did to me, said to me, Uh, I didn't ask to be in this situation, somebody else brought me into this situation. However, there's also oftentimes a my bad piece of it in there. How did I handle it? Did I respond with bitterness? Uh, Have I responded with some resentment or revenge or passive aggressive? Uh, Has there been violence in the way that I've responded to this, either towards myself or towards other people? Could be towards a person who did it to me, or it could be taking on everybody else. How have I handled the your bad pieces that have come into my life? Um, there can be issues of codependency that came up there. There could be issues of survivor's guilt, where you carry around this guilt for something that you didn't do at all. And that's still a, a my bad piece of your bad. You were wrong in doing this. But the my bad piece is, is I'm feeling guilty for something that somebody else did to me, and I shouldn't be feeling guilty for something else that was done to me. Now, I, I just got to give a disclaimer here. Uh, in the your bad category, the things that come out my bad. Just because there's some my bad issues in the your bad category, I don't want to make sure I read this right. Uh, it's n- it's not me saying that I'm contributing. In other words, uh, what I'm not saying here is just. Or sorry, let me, let me back this up. Just because I'm saying in this situ- situation that I've done some things wrong in the midst of what you did. Just because I'm saying that, and just because I'm also saying that my reaction to it has compounded my problems, is not absolving the person of what they've done. That makes sense? I, I'm not taking away, I'm not minimizing that at all. I'm not putting the blame on you for that at all. I just want to make sure you know that. However, a lot of times what's happened is that somebody else has done something to us. The way we've responded to it has been extremely destructive, but I'm blaming 100 percent of the results on what they did. Do you see that? I remember somebody came to me one time and said, Steve, there are a lot of people who've had the same thing done to them that you've had done to you, but they didn't respond like that. And what you're struggling with now, right now, is more so off of how you've handled it, more so than what was done. And you don't get a free pass on your reaction simply because of what was done to you. Does that make sense? That in no way is minimizing what was done. That in no way is taking away the sin uh, and acknowledgement of what they've done there at all. Now, Uh, how did I get here? Uh, In there it says, we made a a searching and fearless moral inventory. Um, Fearless. If you notice in the opening, there there were two clips in there that I purposely put in there. Um, One of them, of course, was from the Men in Black 3 uh, movie, where he says, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. That's pretty much a thing we all live by in life, isn't it? I don't want to ask any questions I don't want the answer to. If you're going to really do this and you really want to know how did I get here, you're going to have to ask some questions you don't want the answer to. Fair enough? If you're going to really know how it is that you got here, you're going to have to be willing to ask some questions you don't want to the answer to. That's where the fearless piece comes in. The other piece of it, the question is, is I sort of cut it off in there, but you, you know the quote from A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. And that's the other reason why we haven't asked these questions in the past the reason why more people don't go through their past and sort things out and try to figure out what it is that's contribute to where I'm at right now, it's because the honest truth is we don't, we don't want the truth. Uh, there was one of the great quotes I read. It says, it's really hard to accept the truth when the lies are what we really want to hear anyway. Um, but there's two things about... There's, there's two, there's a, when, you, when you look at quotes on truth, they usually fall in one of two categories. One is the idea that the truth will set you... Free. We all know that, right? But we also know that the truth hurts, right? Another person said this way, truth is a hard pill to swallow, but it goes down a lot easier than pride. Um, You're less likely to choke on it than you are on your own pride. Now, in doing this fearless searching moral inventory, knowing that your tendency is to not want to uncover some things, and knowing that your tendency is going to be to not want to really face the truth... There's two biblical truths you need to know as you go through and do a searching and fearless moral inventory as you look into your path. One is, comes to us out of Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Heart is deceitful above all things. In other words, let me put it this way, your natural instinct is to lie to yourself. Your natural instinct is to lie to yourself. And so when you go through and you do this, there's going to be a tendency for you to want to blame somebody else when there's... Blame that goes to you. There's going to be a tendency to say, well, I don't really need to get into that. There's going to be a tendency to sort of put something in a very broad category when you know there's a very definite category. There's going to be a tendency for you to want to say, well, this is why that happened. But if you're really honest with yourself, you know there was either a motive of lust or greed or something else that was there that pushed you to that place. And you got to be honest because of the second principle that we get out of Scripture. You can't heal what you won't acknowledge. You can't heal what you won't acknowledge. It comes out of James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins and pray for each other so that you can be healed. You, you, you can't heal what you won't acknowledge. You can't walk into the doctor's office and say, well, doc, I'm not feeling good. What's wrong? I don't want to get into it. Can you give me something? But isn't that what we often do when it comes to these areas? Maybe, maybe, you, you know, if, if you're a part of a, a 12-step program like Celebrate Recovery, sponsor comes in, it's like, okay, let's get honest. Let's talk about this. You know, what can I be praying for you about? Just pray for me in general. That, that's not how this works. That's not how, this, you're violating a life principle that just isn't going to work. So when it says you make a searching, that's where you're looking at everything. You're, you're putting the, there's no place you're not putting the spotlight on. And fearless moral inventory. The fearless part is, is the truth is a scary thing. Because the reality is, every single one of us has sin in our own hearts. And when you look back through our past, it's going to come out. And it's a really tough tough thing to deal with. Um, Second thing about this is, uh, write it down. You got to write this down. Uh, if you ever do a step study, you'll be writing it down. Uh, uh, this isn't just something that you do when you're going through a celebrate recovery thing. I think this is good in every area. You know, for anybody who, if you want to know the answer to the question of how did I get here, you need to write this stuff down. Here's why. Um, let's just say, okay, let's just say that you go through and you start writing all this stuff down, and after doing a searching and fearless inventory, you get real honest and you really go through everything. You find, you identify 35 things. There are 35 issues, you know, whether they're in the my bad, the your bad, the it's bad category of my life. There are 35 things that I could look at and say, these 35 things would be the answer to the question of how did I get here? And why do I have these bouts of depression? Why do I have these bouts of anxiety? Why do I go through these issues of self-loathing? Why do I have this sense of overwhelming guilt that comes over me? Why does it feel like I'm unlovable? You wanna know why all that is? I can point to it. it's on this list of 35 things. Think about that is, is once you get those 35 things down, Dealing with it becomes, I'm gonna use this word, manageable. Now, I don't know how good your brain is, uh, but I always tell whenever somebody's giving me a list and I go to the store, I can keep track of two things, all right? I don't care who's sending me the list, I don't care if it's for the office or for home, kids, anybody. You, know, you wanna pick, pick up something at Walmart? I can remember two things. Once I get past two, something's going to get forgotten unless I write it down. I just can't manage a list bigger than two. So I know that from my grocery list. Imagine what that's like for the list of the things that answers the question of, how did I get here? Okay? The thing is, is when there's a list of 35 things, and they all get piled up, it feels unmanageable. Or I'll use another word, It's overwhelming. 35 things when they're listed out, it's 35 things, right? 35 things when they're not listed out and clearly defined feels like a million because you can't keep track of it. That's a, that same restless sense you have when you're at Walmart and you're walking around, and you're going, oh, I know, I know there's more stuff I need. I know there's more stuff I need. I know there's more stuff I need. And so I do one of two things. I either just leave knowing I'm going to have to come back either later that night or the next day or I do the dumb thing, and I just start buying a bunch of stuff. I then I find out I got 17 spaghetti sauces at home. I got enough, you know, spaghetti noodle. I mean, you know, are you with me on this? Like your pantry has like overstocked of one thing. Like you've got all sauce but no noodles, that kind of thing, right? It's not good when your brain is full of all sauce and no noodles. I don't know how that, I don't know what that is, but you know, in recovery. Step one has this little phrase in it that our lives have become, what's the word? Um, unmanageable. Unmanageable. Part of the unmanageable is the fact that even once you've figured out there's 35 things, if you don't have those things written down, it's going to still feel very unmanageable because there's just so many things. Now, picture if there were, let's just say there were 35 people that each had a request of you, okay? Okay? What would be better for everybody? Actually, let's just do the role I'll play right now. There's a little more than 35 in here right now. But think of one thing that you would like me to get you from the grocery store, okay? Don't say it all at once. I'm going to count to five, and at some point in the five, tell me what those things are. Now, if I'd gone through and said, we're going to do this one at a time, and I were to write them down, Much different, right? Your brain feels like that those these things are coming in, right? There was that issue when I was a child. There was an issue when I was in high school. Oh, but then there was that thing last week. But then my husband's upset about this. But then my kids had this issue. And they just keep on coming in at you. However, once you go through and you see there's 35 things. 35? Yeah, there's a lot of things there. But now you put down this list. And what's going to happen as you look down at this list, there's going to be a couple of those things. Usually the very first, like two or three things that you wrote down. Maybe not. I don't know. But for me, they're the ones that come up. There's going to be a handful of those 35 things that are major issues. It's a major issue. It very well may be the reason why you started coming to church. Maybe it's the reason why your marriage is in difficulty. Maybe it's the reason why you started coming to some place like Celebrate Recovery or want to join a small group. You know what those things are. Um, Those are probably when you first start thinking about, well, how did I get here? You know that's going to be on the list. You don't really want to deal with all the ins and outs and whys on it. But as you look at that 35... Only some of those 35 are going to be in this category of things that are major life issues that's going to take your full effort to deal with. When I say full effort, I'm talking about it's going to be hard work. It's going to be some prayer. It's going to be accountability people come alongside of you. It's going to require some new behaviors. It's going to require changes you don't want to make. There's going to be some financial costs associated with it. Uh, Jesus even says some, some things like, you may need to take off a limb, cut out an eye. Cut off an eye? Cut off a limb? Try to cut one of these things off of one of your kids. <laughs> How many of y'all think they would rather give, you up, give up their pinky finger than lose this thing? Okay, so I think we, we get the picture. But for some, let's face it, this is something that has to go, right? So there's going to be some things on that list, not all of them. There's going to be some things on that list, on that 35, that are some major issues, right? If all, 30, if, if, if all 35 were that... That might be overwhelming. But you're going to find that not all 35 fall in that category. But some of them do. There's be other things on that list, though, uh, which are going to be some things that you put in the category of, it's going to force me to have a conversation I've been avoiding. Maybe that's part of the making amends. Maybe it's the part of clearing the air. Maybe it's the discussion of the your bad and the my bad discussion. There's going to be some things on there that are going to force a discussion um, that's long overdue. And the thing about that is, is, Once you have that, it might be something you get to cross off your list. Do you know how fun that is? When you've had this weight coming over you for all these years on this something that hadn't been said or maybe something you haven't confessed and you've always wondered, you know, are they still going to love me if they knew this about me? Are they still going to love me if they knew this about me? And one of the reasons why you feel unlovable is because you know there's this thing about you, you're not sure if somebody's going to love you or not. Then finally, you get to the point where you say, okay, we need to have this conversation. Here's something I did. This is who I truly am. And then when the person is either going to accept you or they're going to reject you at that point, right? Whichever way they go, though, it's no longer something that's going to be haunting you and hounding you day in and day out and coming up when you don't even know why it is you feel bad. Sometimes the reason why is because you question whether or not the people who love you really love you because they don't really know you. But it's really fun. You could actually, maybe at some point, you'll be able to cross some of these things off the list because you'll actually be able to deal with them. Some of them you'll be able to deal with pretty quickly. Some of them just take us conversation. I will never forget being in the hospital with somebody who had a couple of these on their list and they were um, they had a terminal illness. And one of the things we talked about was was making a list like this. And I said, you know, you know she, she, she was going to have about a year before this took her life. And so she said, how do I prepare myself to die? What a question, huh? One of those things I said You know, Before you are ready to walk into heaven, I want you to be able to walk into heaven having nothing that you haven't confessed to God and having nothing you haven't confessed to somebody else you need to get right with. Because for the first time in your life, let's ask this question for honestly, really, what do you have to lose? And it spun the whole situation over. And I'll never forget coming back like a week later and the joy I saw in her face. And I'm thinking to myself, you've got terminal illness. Why are you all giddy? And she said, because I'm free. I'm free. Um, so some of these things need to be major. Some of these things need be just something that needs a conversation. Uh, some of these things are going to be just things that you just have to have a conversation with God about. Um, and you just need to sit down with God and have some conversation with him. Uh, God, I've been holding on to this too long. Uh, God, I've been frustrated with you about this. Uh, I felt like you, you've betrayed me on this. I felt like you know I, I can't trust you on these things. And These are an issue I've had. I'm giving this over to you, God. Help me trust you with this. Uh, I, I have faith in you, but help me in my unbelief and where I struggle with my faith. Maybe other things where you just say, "God, I need you to forgive me for this. This was a sin between you know me and you, and you alone, um, and I don't I don't want this out there anymore." And so, it'll just be something that you confess straight up to God. There'll be other things on there. Um, that's just a reality you have to embrace. You know, whether it's a my bad or a your bad, the fact of the matter is now it's bad. But it's something I can't change. What's done is done and I have to accept it. This is my reality. I can't fight it anymore. I just have to acknowledge, I just have to accept it. Um, you know, I, I can gripe about it, I can complain about it, but it's not going to change my reality. So maybe I need to handle this a different way and find a different way to deal with this reality because the reality is not going away. Fighting it's not going to help anymore. Uh, and so as you go through this list, what you're going to find is What in your mind unorganized feels like a million things, written down now is a list of things, and then as you look through that list, you'll begin to see that the stuff that's going to really take a concerted effort oftentimes is anywhere from, you know, one to ten things or so, and that's a manageable list, and you can start to really work on that, and then you can look at this and say, okay, which one either can I get the most success with first, or which one is it that... I really need to put my efforts towards. You, you can go through and begin to organize this list. Now, in that as you're working through, you might say, okay, well, how do I figure out what I'm going to be putting down on this list? I'm going to give you four categories tonight uh, to get you started off. Uh, the first is you know dealing with your relationships with others. Uh, one of these categories is my relationship with others. Now, keep in mind on this, there's some my bad in here, there's some your bad in here, and there's also good just be some it's bad. Uh, th- th- that applies to all these things. Uh, when you look at the relationship you have with others, um, who's hurt me? Who have I hurt? Who's the my bad and the your bad on this in the category of hurt? Um, is there issues of bitterness that I'm dealing with? Who do I have bitterness towards? Is there somebody who I feel like they're bitter towards me? Um, have I taken revenge on somebody? Am I still planning and plotting revenge? Um, Is there somebody that I would be really, really happy if something really bad happened to them? I would never want to do it because I'm too godly and Christian of a person. However, if calamity happened, I wouldn't be shedding a tear. Just keeping that in mind. Um, Is there somebody that I've gossiped about? Now, When I said the heart is deceitful above all things, you will lie to yourself about this one because nobody ever gossips. I know nobody, now it happens about you and you watch other people do it, but nobody ever can admit to gossip because we don't gossip. We have a hundred other words for that. But honestly, if I shared things about somebody that either wasn't true or I shouldn't have shared, have I broke confidence where I shouldn't have broke confidence, um, is there issues of jealousy out there? You know, who am I jealous of? You know, I could be jealous of a hundred different things in their life. Um, another category: uh, priorities. What's important to you? Uh, I'll start with a couple of the easy ones, and I'll get to the one that's always kind of a pet thing for me. Um, you know, talk about what's your priorities. You know, everybody has a list of what they want their priorities to be, but then there's also another list of what your priorities actually are. And so you can start by saying, here's what I want them to be, here's what I think they are, and if you want to do a fearless inventory, ask the people closest to in your life, what are my priorities? You can even give them the categories. You know, here, here's what I, here, here's, give them, in no particular order, how would you list out how I actually spend my life? What do you actually feel like my priorities are? Because some of you, you know, may feel like as if you're putting family number one in your life, but your family feels like as if they come in about a distant fifth. You know, where, where do they put their priorities down? Uh, what is your schedule? your time, and your money say your priorities are? You know, just, you, that's an easy one. The, the forensic accounting is an easier one. Where are you spending the most of your money? You know, on yourself? On your family? At work? Uh, what, what is it? Um, part of the priorities question, though, this is a really hard one. Um, this is always a pet thing, is, is for me, that trying to discover is, what's really driving you? What's really driving you? Uh, I remember years ago, I read a book called uh, Shadow Mission. Now, what's funny is, you ever read a book that you thought was about something, but it's not about that at all, but you really wish it was about the other thing, but you didn't even know about the other thing until you read the title of the book? Did I lose you on that? All right. I saw the name of this book called Shadow Mission. And when I, re- when I read the title of it, I thought this is what I was talking about. But I was talking about something totally different. Uh, but since then, it's really developed in my mind is this idea of, Sometimes we'll say we're doing something for a stated reason, but that's not at all why we're doing it. Like, so, why, why, why did you start coming to church? Well, you know, I just, I felt like it was, you know, I wanted to come to church and, you know, I wanted to, you know, get closer to God and, you know, that's why I'm, why I'm here, you know, I just, you know, think about those kind of things. Real reason, so your wife will quit nagging you. So your shadow mission, why you're really there in the shadows and the deep, dark recesses of your soul, your real driving motivation is to get your wife to quit quit yelling at you. Or maybe you've got some deal where if you go to church, then you get to watch football. I've heard those. Um, Sometimes we have these, you know, shadow missions. Well, you know, I just want to volunteer to help out. Remember I said sometimes people volunteer and help out simply because they want the attaboys and the pats on the backs? So the driving, the real, the shadow mission there. What's really kind of there, lurking in the shadows, is this. I have this need to get appreciation, uh, and acceptance, and significance, and that's why I'm really serving. But if anybody asks me, it's well, you know, I just, I just felt like it was the right thing to do, and I just really wanted to help out. You know, and I saw, you know, how much they were hurt, and I just, I, I just, you know, I couldn't help but just go out there and reach out to them. Shadow mission sometimes is a kind word for for some of these things, but. Sometimes you, you, you may state there's a reason why you're doing something. There's not really a reason why you're doing it. Uh, some people have a shadow mission for why they get married. For some people, there's a shadow mission for why they take a job. You know, it's really not about what they really love to do. They took the job because there was a prestige involved in it. Or they thought that everybody would be impressed with their job title. And that's why they're really there. But they don't really want to admit it because it doesn't sound good. To say, well, I'm really only here doing a job I really can't stand just so everybody be impressed with my job title. Uh, so the question on those priorities is, is you know, as you look at your reasons for why you're doing things, is there a shadow mission there? Is there something that deep down you know is why you did it or why you are continuing to be a part of it, but nobody else really knows it? Um, but it's really an issue there. Uh, another category is... Um, Looking through and doing a searching and fearless moral inventory of your attitudes. Uh, like anger. Uh, one question is, is what gets me angry? Another question might be is, do I get angry or am I just angry? Right? Some of y'all know the difference between those two. Somebody who's just angry, everything gets, is, is, is a reason to go. Right? It's, just, it's, it's like the, the pot's already boiling and you so much as just touch it and it, it shoots off. Other people, there's something, you know, it takes something to get them there. Um, what am I thankful for? Just list out the things you're thankful for. It's funny. How far you get on that list may reveal to you how thankful you really are. Um, what are my gripes? If somebody were to say, you know, give me your beef. You know, what are your beefs? What are you upset about? What are you angry about? You know, what are you going to put in there? You know, how, how long is your gripe list? And then, of course, you can go back and compare. Do I have more things I'm griping about, or more things I'm thankful about? Um, you can go through different you know, other categories, attitudes. Move on to the one, um, integrity. Um, let's just put one big category of lies. Under that, you can put lies I tell, uh, misleading things about me, uh, maybe an image you want to project, I don't know what your communications are. Just think through your communications. You know, what about your communications? Is it authentic? Um, how is it that people see you versus how you really are? How much of that do you contribute towards? Like, do I want people to see me this certain way, and that's why they see me this certain way? Um, where do you draw the line of it, line between acceptable lies and unacceptable lies? I know you're in church going. Did our pastor say that? I didn't say there are. I'm just asking you where you draw the line. Um, um, you know, like when daylight savings time hits and, and it's only six o'clock, but it's dark out. So you're like, oh, kids, it's bedtime. It's already eight. <laughs> they can't tell time. Is that an acceptable lie or not? I don't know. Maybe. Um, You know, on the integrity issue is, um, is there stuff that's in my possession that shouldn't be in my possession? You know, do I have stuff that belongs to somebody else? Um, Am I taking stuff home from work that shouldn't be taken home from work? Um, You know, go through those those different things. Um, You know, over the course of doing those things, uh, you'll begin to get a picture of who you are. A couple things I kind of want to remind you of is there is no sin that you can ever commit that will ever change God's opinion of you. In the same way, uh, if you have kids, if your kids were to write out everything they've ever done against you, what loving parent would ever look at their kids and go, oh my goodness, I'm done with you. Find somewhere else to live. It's absurd, right? Yet God reminds you, he says, you are a wicked parent compared to how loving I am. The most loving parent you can possibly think of, if you put him up next to me, would look wicked compared to me. That's what God says. So as you go through this list, you might have some tendency to almost want to fudge on it a little bit because it's starting to make you look real, real bad. That's why you need to have a fearless moral inventory. Don't be afraid of the truth. What do you have to be afraid of? And I wish you could have the same perspective that that woman on her deathbed had. What do I have to fear now? I mean, you know, what are they going to tell me? They don't forgive me? Okay, that's now on them. That's no longer on me. At some point in your life, my hope and prayer is that you get to the point where you're just willing to face the truth. I don't care, I just want to be free. I don't care, I just want to be free. You know, when the, when the Jesus tells a story in Luke 15 about a, a guy who's in a pig pen, and he gets to the point where he says he finally came to his senses and no longer feared going home. So he goes home. My hope and prayers for you is the same thing as you look at your past. Let's close out in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, your grace over us. Everything that we will go through and uncover are things you already know and things that your son has already died on the cross for. Help us keep this in mind as we move through our life and do a searching and fearless moral inventory of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.